Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. and welcome to Table Manners. This is a special episode and on this episode we are joined by two chefs and food writers, Alyssa Timoshkina and Olya Hercules. Alyssa is Russian and Olya is Ukrainian and they are best friends from university. They've set up Cook for Ukraine. You may have seen the hashtag coming up on Instagram um, or maybe Twitter, Cook for Ukraine. It's a culinary campaign encouraging people to cook traditional Ukrainian and Eastern European food to raise funds to support the humanitarian effort in Ukraine. We were meant to be having these ladies round for brunch. Um, We've been trying to do it for a couple of weeks, but obviously they are very busy setting up this. I mean, managing all this. Managing, yeah. And then I went and got COVID. So now we're on uh, Zoom. However, uh, I did make from Olya Hercules' cookbook, it's a Ukrainian cookbook uh, called Mamushka, which is beautiful. I made the apple sponge cake with my kids yesterday and it's the first cake that's ever worked for me. Mum, tell tell the listeners what you were going to cook. Well, I was going to cook um, potato pancakes, which are quite similar to latkes, but I think a bit wetter and flatter, so it's not quite as dense. And you serve those with sour cream, I was going to try and get hold of a bit of smoked salmon as well. Sadly, we aren't together. However, the show must go on and we are desperate to speak to these women who I think are waiting in the waiting room of Zoom. Back to bloody Zoom, aren't we? Um, And uh, we're going to be talking all about Ukrainian food, their friendship, um, Alyssa's heritage and how you as a Table Manners listener who is obsessed with food can get involved. It's really quite simple. We are thrilled and honoured to have... Olya Hercules and Alyssa Tomoshkina coming up on Table Manners. So on this very special Table Manners episode, we have uh, the chefs Olya Hercules and Alyssa Tomoshkina um, joining us on Zoom because I have bloody COVID. So annoyingly, I had this all planned that they were going to cook me delicious food. Um, but alas, no, we're on we're on Zoom, though, and it's a pleasure to have you both. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you have been probably overwhelmingly busy recently, of course, with everything that's going on and, and this fundraiser that you've um, instigated that's doing so amazingly. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Do you, do you want to p- explain from the outset just how the fundraiser works for, for Ukraine? That would be really yeah. interesting. So the fundraiser works mostly in three ways. 
um, basically we've, we've created the cook for Ukraine hashtag for social media in order to um, raise awareness about the conflict, but also use the beautiful language of food to enable people to connect to what's happening. So we're encouraging people to educate themselves about Ukrainian food. And of course, Olya's beautiful cookbooks is the best source for that. And then cook something at home and post the picture of what they've made with the hashtag cook for Ukraine and a little bit of story behind the dish. And then um, also share the link to our Just Giving page um, and kind of a, create a um, flash mob in a way. You know, the more people hear about it, the more they share the link. And of course, the more conversation is starting. And then the second way that the campaign works is to create events like supper clubs and talks and bake sales. And it's been really amazing to see people taking initiative and in doing that. So we have a core team, a really beautiful team of volunteers, uh, and we are initiating events ourselves. But of course, um, you know, we can't be in 100 places at the same time. So it's been amazing to see people just messaging to say you've inspired us and we've just hosted a bake sale at a local school or a fundraiser at a restaurant. And, you know, it's, it's a really amazing kind of grassroots movement. And thirdly, we have over 200 restaurants in the UK uh, signed up uh, to support Cook for Ukraine. And the way it works is that they add an optional one pound to the bill and then people have a, an option to pay that or not. Um, it's amazing what you've done and I salute you. Have, how much have you raised so far? We have raised over 300,000 already, wow. which is just That's unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can raise a little bit more with some of the listeners um, who are obsessed with food on this podcast. Hopefully, maybe they're doing their own supper club. I mean, that's how I learned about you guys. Um, chefs like Easter Belfridge was posting um, a really, it was a message that you put out, um, Olia, about your family in um, in Ukraine. And I think it was your brother that you were talking about. And um, that's how I first learned about you. And I, please forgive me. I've now bought your book and it is fantastic. And I made the apple sponge yesterday with my children. And it's the only cake that's actually worked for me. So thank you very, very much. It's delicious. I feel like anybody that just wants to start with the kids, do the apple sponge cake. It's so good um and it, they would have to whisk for five minutes which kept you know five minutes of activity it was fantastic um but it's a beautiful cookbook all about ukrainian food and i saw people like martha de lacy doing the stuffed cabbage leaves um and then you know i saw tom kerridge and angela hartnett talking about how they were doing a fundraiser you know it has spread and it's amazing but there's so much more money that we can can make um how did you two meet so we met at university uh, about almost 15 years ago, I think. Um, I want to apologize to our listeners um, for my voice today. I'm croaking. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we met at university. We went to University of Queen Mary in London. And we just met outside of, um, of the university building, just started talking. And immediately, you know, <clears throat> I asked where Lisa was from. And she said Siberia. And then I said, oh, my grandma is from Siberia on my dad's side. And then I said, and I'm from Ukraine. And she said, oh, my grandma on my mom's side is Ukrainian, you know, and we just kind of hit it off. And at first it was like a connection uh, that we had um, through kind of the same love of uh, independent film and literature and music. Um, and then later on, you know, seven years later or something, we've also connected over all of the food um, when, I, when I became a writer. And yeah, we just 
been friends for a very long time. And uh, Alyssa, you're, you're of Russian descent. So it's not actually as easy. And the more I learn about myself, yeah, the right. more confusing it becomes to give a straightforward answer. So I was born in Russia, yeah. in Siberia, in, in yeah. the 80s. So technically it was the Soviet Union. But my mum's mm. family is Ukrainian Jewish. And actually I've recently um, found out that there's actually more Ukrainian lineage than we thought. So basically my mom is mainly Ukrainian Jewish. And then on my dad's side, um, even though he grew up in the Far East in a city called Khabarovsk, which is on the border with China, which makes the whole food history of our family very fascinating. But ethnically, he's actually from um, Eastern Europe. Um, he's, he's definitely has roots in Belarus and Ukraine as well. So um, kind of ethnically speaking, I'm definitely more Jewish, Eastern European, Ukrainian than Russian, which is a very strange thing to realize um, in your kind of late 30s that <laughs> what you thought you were is not actually true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And do you think it will change the way that you cook? Are you more kind of, were you cooking lots of Jewish dishes before? Yes. I mean, it's fascinating. Um, you know, it was fascinating to the point of then going off to study and do a PhD in the subject or kind of close to Jewish studies subject. Um, that when I grew up, um, my Jewish Ukrainian great grandmother, she actually cooked a lot of, mm. you know, what we consider as Ashkenazi food. But because of the Soviet Union, where, of course, Jewish identity or any, you know, unique ethnic or regional identity was not allowed to be celebrated. We just kind of perceived mm. it as standard Soviet food. And she never referred to it as Jewish food either. Um, but then only coming here to London and kind of engaging more with the uh, Jewish community here and, you know, obviously with food history and food culture in general, I kind of had light bulbs going off thinking, oh, that's actually a rugula. And I only knew it as a poppy seed roll and I never kind of connected the two. Um, all that latkes, we just kind of thought of them as potato pancakes, I suppose. Um, but also uh, my great grandmother, um, she converted to Christianity. I don't actually know why, but I'm assuming it's because they were quite wealthy Jews. I'm assuming it's in order to be able to kind of integrate into the um, Tsarist Russia, um, even though the way in Ukraine was still you know, part of the colonial project of the Russian Empire. Um, she kind of didn't really have that very strong, clear Jewish identity. And it's mostly kind of through her heartbreaking story of surviving the Holocaust that we kind of cherished that. Though we did hide matzah, it was our kind of guilty pleasure because we're not allowed to openly, you know, enjoy any kind of religious Jewish food rituals. But matzah was quite a big part of that, yeah. Um, and um, Olia, can you tell me about you growing up? What's a really memorable dish for you as a child, a Ukrainian dish? Uh, sure. Um, so I grew up in the south uh, of Ukraine in Kakhovka in the Kherson region. And... Um, uh, one of the most memorable dishes. It was the first cucumbers that we would get. Um, so it'd be kind of um, maybe even end of May or beginning of June because Ukraine becomes really, really hot. Um, and especially in the south, it's almost like a Mediterranean mm. climate where I'm from. So the first prickly little cucumbers picked that morning and still kind of warm. Like we, we think of cucumbers as these big <laughs> monsters that are straight out of the fridge, but actually... They have such an amazing flavor when they're just picked from uh, from its kind of vine. And my mom would be uh, chopping it. And for some reason, she insisted on chopping it 
in in the air if you know what I mean so just like with a small knife and just over the bowl just like slicing them into the bowl and then she would also um grab you know a tomato and do exactly the same thing and it was like the first kind of like spring uh summer salad that she made so it would be these cucumbers super sweet and delicious uh incredible tomatoes and as she would chop it over the bowl as well some of the juices of the tomatoes would fall in the bowl and help create the dressing and then it'd be loads of dill loads of spring onions um and a good kind of like a, a few big spoonfuls of um a sour cream that we call smetana so it's like a really good quality homemade creme fraiche mm. um so once the smetana would mix with all of the tomato juices and everything it would just create this absolutely delicious salad but the best bit was at the end where you got that pink pool of uh, sour cream yeah. with all of the dill and spring onions and we'd um, fight for the juices with that which so would be there with our big pieces of fluffy bread just to dip it in and eat it it's something that takes me back Oh, I love that. That resonates with me so much. So our family are Russian. Um, well, we now think, because Jessie did a DNA, that she's Ukraine, that she's Ukrainian. But I always thought my grandfather was Russian. So my family, mm-hmm. we've got Russian heritage. And my father used to eat, on a Sunday morning, Schmetner and Kez, which was cream cheese, very thick cream cheese, with Kez, uh, with Schmetner, how you say it, yeah. called it Schmetner. Yeah. And then he would slice cucumbers on the top <laughs> and tomato, and that would be his Sunday breakfast. So it's very, oh, very lovely. similar. Yeah. And do you ever make, do you, well, I don't know whether you call them, we used to call them blintzes, but they were like little pancakes filled with sour cream or, yeah, or cream yeah. cheese. And they were slightly yeah. sweet. And we'd often have those, if there was a wedding, we'd have that as a starter, as a kind of vegetarian starter. But we're we're very keen on latkes, um, which and I was going to. I was going to make those for you today. Your potato pancakes, which are slightly different but similar, and but you serve it just with sour cream, not with caviar or a bit of smoked salmon. No, that's a luxury. Oh, that's why. Yeah, but you wouldn't have been averse to that, would you? We just have no access to it. In the Soviet days. Really? Was it very hard growing up when you were younger with very limited produce? Not for us. Not in uh, Ukraine. We, we, no, we didn't. We never had limited produce. Uh, we lived in the countryside and we've always, and actually we did have black caviar sometimes because my dad knew a guy who knew a guy. So we would have that. But right now, I, I think Alisa was saying right now, it's a huge luxury. That's just, yeah. But latkes, yeah. latkes are, are just sour cream for us, I think. Um but, you know, caviar does sound amazing on top of it, I mean. <laughs> but, but when you were growing up, Alyssa, was it more difficult to access food? I think the difference is quite big, of course. Um, you know, growing up in the Soviet Union was tough for everyone involved in, you know, for many reasons, but, it, you know, especially in the context of food. But, of course, uh, for Olya, who, you know, was born in such a fertile region, it was different. You know, I grew up in Siberia, obviously not the most fertile land because of the climate. Um, but we, we still, I do remember, you know, the summers are very warm. And I do remember having really lovely um, picnics. And we didn't have a dacha or, you know, a plot of land where we could grow our own food. But, um, you know, to be honest, I don't remember huge scarcity but the repertoire of dishes was obviously quite limited so you know things like caviar or salmon didn't exist until 
you know, we were well into the post-Soviet era. And we survived mainly on, you know, lots of fermented stuff. So, you know, we would get, um, like the Siberian forests are quite rich in mushrooms. So we'd pick lots of, you know, forage for lots of mushrooms in late summer and then preserve them for the rest of the winter. And they're beautiful, you know, go into soup. So you dry them and they go into soups and, you know, fry potato, like fry up with mushrooms and um, sour cream, of course. And then lots of Siberian dumplings, pilmeni. Um, which you just fill up your freezer and they can last you a really long time. And lots of hard stews, again, with lots of uh, sauerkraut and other fermented foods. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, particularly diverse, but uh, I think, again, maybe depends on the family, of course, because I was very lucky, the same way as Olya is, um, to grow up with fantastic cooks. Like, all the women in my family were very wonderful cooks and uh, there was always something really delicious and very nourishing to eat can I ask you know you were both you both met at Queen Mary's but you weren't doing cooking then you weren't you weren't chefs then you were studying what film or literature or so what was what was the first meal that you remember cooking for each other we didn't really cook for each other back at uni and I don't think food was something that we as Olya said we really bonded over culture because we also worked in a cultural sphere together after uni um, that was really our thing. So we would talk a lot about, you know, philosophy, literature, film. But I remember the first meal that Olya cooked for me when she already um, was a chef, when she retrained as a chef. And it was just before Mamushka came out. She made a really delicious sort of Thai style broth with noodles. Did I? <laughs> I remember mm. it so well. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> My, um, well, there's a reason my, my older son is half Thai. So, you know, I have, linked, oh, wow. I have links um, to that side of the world as well with his dad. But um, I remember the, I, well, one of the most memorable things that Alisa cooked for me was actually from her cookbook. Uh, we came over with my son and uh, my husband, Joe, and um, she made uh, chicken with prunes uh from from her cookbook um certain time and it was just the most insanely delicious thing ever she's such an amazing cook thank you i love her. i i'm wondering there are going to be lots of people leaving ukraine and coming over to england and leaving behind everything that they're familiar with say they've been here a couple of months what would you like to cook for them just to remind them of home and all the lovely things in the Ukraine that they, they're leaving behind. A starter, a main, a dessert and a drink of choice. Shall we do two lots? Yeah, one from me and one from Alyssa. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay. We don't, a, start, a starter kind of like, it's not really, we, we cook in a slightly different way, I feel. Um, there's just like a big table of different things. So I'll, t- I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you three things. Definitely some kind of a broth. It's so essential, like a borscht. Or, or or like a very simple chicken soup made out of a very good chicken with loads of dill and noodles. Uh, mm. That's, you know, when, every time that my mom would come to, to visit us in the UK, she would have to have a broth every single day or like some kind of a soup. It's just like her, her day is not complete if she doesn't have. <laughs> so I guess that could be your starter. So yeah, a borscht or a chicken broth would be amazing. And then for um, kind of main, uh, I would say, you know, the cabbage rolls that you mentioned uh, that Nancy yeah. made, um, they, you know, either made with a regular cabbage or a savoy cabbage or even charred leaves or something like that. And that could be made either 
with meat uh, or you can make a vegetarian version. Um, and it's made in this really delicious tomato sauce, sauce that you enrich with a little bit of sour cream or creme fraiche. Mm. So oh, fancy that. Oh, it's just, yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course. Uh, sour just, cream has um, to be somewhere. Whatever you do, loads of dill, loads of sour okay, cream, yeah. and you'll take them straight home. Is dill crucial in most of your cooking? Dill is, yeah. dill is life. If I write another book, <laughs> this is going to be the name of it, Dill is Life. <laughs> I love dill. I feel like it's very underestimated dill. It is, and it has this, you know, reputation like as a fish herb, uh, you know, in, in, in Europe, but actually we put it and on top of our borscht, you know, as with the with the cabbage rolls, with anything. Like we, we just love it. Yeah. Do you grow it? Yeah, I do, yeah. I do in England as well. Is it easy to grow? You know what? It's a couple of years I had a problem growing it, but last year it was good. I bought these seeds called, um, it's called mammoth uh, dill and it grows up to six feet tall. Wow. Okay. Well, dill is life. So there you go. Yeah. You're all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I've got the, and, and for dessert, um, I just wonder maybe something like um, a, a cheese, well, a Ukrainian cheesecake is something that we really love. So you'd need to get a uh, tvarog in a Polish uh, shop, which is like this curd cheese, uh-huh. maybe something that your dad used to put on his toast um, or, or ricotta as well works really okay. well. And with vanilla and a little bit of semolina. And it's just like the most beautiful thing. I, in, in Polish and in Western Ukraine, it's called sirnik. Okay. And what drink would you have? Oh, right. Um, yes. So drink-wise, um, I mean, kvass, uh, probably like a beetroot kvass would be amazing. What's that? So you, you, will, you get some beetroots um, and you put a little pinch of salt and some water and maybe some caraway seed or other, you know, a little bit of garlic. And you let it ferment and then it becomes this effervescent, um, you know, a beautiful beetroot, slightly sour wow. uh, and sweet drink. And it's obviously really good for you. So I think those people would really appreciate the healthy kind of option as well. Failing that, if they want something a little bit stronger, you can get a really good uh, bottle of vodka and um, infuse it with some uh, berries or some horseradish or something or some honey and chili. I think mm. that would go down well too. Now, Alyssa, your go. Oh, that sounded so good. Yeah, that I also sound just wanted to say yeah. that um, it's been really touching to receive emails to our Cook for Ukraine account from people saying, um, we would love to host a Ukrainian family. Could you give us a shopping list for things that we want oh, to stock our fridge with? And uh, it's just the care that people put into it. And we're actually even thinking of um, maybe hopefully partnering up with a big supermarket to actually have like a special cook for Ukraine basket where people can just, you know, log into that and they already have all the recommendations from us. That's brilliant. And, That's an amazing idea. Yeah, and it really just warmed my heart. And, you know, just despite the obviously deeply sad circumstances, I have a bit of excitement um, thinking that how the face of you know culinary culture in western europe will change because of the yeah. influx of ukrainian refugees you know the same way as we're now so familiar with eastern uh, middle eastern cuisine and can get tahini and hummus everywhere hopefully people will be more familiar now with smithana and right so what are you putting on that shopping list i need to know what's on that shopping list that you're suggesting yes. well i mean definitely smithana <laughs> rye bread uh, dill, beetroot, buckwheat, 
um, anything fermented, but not pickled. There's a big difference between, you know, pickled cucumbers and fermented cucumbers. So sauerkraut and any other fermented tomatoes and so on. Um, they must have very good guts, the radish. Ukrainians, with all that fermented stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe some sunflower oil, unrefined sunflower oil. So it's um, it's the stuff that, uh, t- that tastes and smells like toasted sunflower seeds. So very similar to sesame oil. I think clear spring actually do it. Um, so that's another thing that we would put like on salads mm. or even um, a slick of it on ferments to make like a fermented salad with a little bit of thinly sliced uh, shallot or something like that. Um, some honey, I think, would be a good idea. Um, what else? Some, uh, yeah, definitely some curd cheese of some sort. Um, so either Polish twarog or, you know, at least ricotta or something like that. That's something that would be very much appreciated. Um, just trying to think cabbage, potatoes, of course. And, you know, for ages yeah, I had a yeah. big complex about that because people just be like, you're writing a Ukrainian book. Is it just about, you know, potatoes and cabbages? Well, there's, of course, a lot more to Ukrainian, Ukrainian cuisine than that. But potatoes and cabbages are essential. So, yeah, stock up on those. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now, Alyssa, um, yes, over to you for your welcome meal that you would offer somebody. I think I would love mm. to start with um, zakuski, which is like a kind of Eastern European equivalent of tapas or meze and have um, different, you know, things that you can eat with uh, rye bread. Um, there's a really delicious aubergine dip which I always thought the recipe in my book um, belongs to my um, grandmother, but actually turns out it belongs to my Aww. Jewish great-grandmother. And she always used the Ukrainian word for aubergine sininki. So um, which means little blue ones. Yeah, little blue ones. <laughs> so the sininki um, caviar, it's called. Um, and then I absolutely love forschmak. <laughs> it's another classic that my uh, great-granny would make. And I love, um, actually, that's Olya's recipe. And I had it as a kid, but I never actually realized that's a classic Odessan um, snack. It's very simple, uh, boiled eggs, grated with cheese, some garlic and uh, mayo, and you have it on top of rye bread. So good. It's just the best thing ever. Oh, it's delicious. Boiled eggs with cheese, garlic and mayo. I think I almost have that because I love it. Yeah. 
I love cheese and eggs together, Ooh. but I hadn't added the garlic. And the mayonnaise. So it's like a, a sexy yeah. egg yeah. mayonnaise yeah. sandwich. With rye bread sandwich. specifically. Okay. <laughs> has to be Amazing. Nice yeah. Yeah. Delish. Where do you get your rye bread in in London, for example? What's your favourite? Do you make? It? I'd have to plug a lovely Eastern European baker called Caraway. They're the best. Yeah, they're very good. Where is it? They have a big stall in Borough Market, but also around Farmers Market. And I think they have a shop in um, Stratford Westfield as well. I'm pretty sure that you can get it through Ocado as well. Okay. Oh, is yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very, very good. Yeah, caraway okay, with the That sounds delicious. I'm going to do that today, I think. I'm going to have that for I'm lunch. I'm going to have I'm one have later. <laughs> go on, what else? And then I think I'd have to go with borscht as well. This is just quintessential soul food. So definitely borscht. And then for dessert, I think I'd go for blintzes. I have a, a recipe um, for... So you would have sweet tvarog inside, but I also um, blitz it with apricots, like nice, plump, juicy apricots. And then you just have this extra <laughs> kind of flavor to it. And it's one of my favorite desserts of all time. Alyssa, can I ask you about your um, your podcast, Mother Food? Is it Mother Food? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, can you just explain to everybody what it is? Because, I, I mean, look, we all love sharing stories about food. You've created this whole initiative about it to raise money and awareness for um, the Ukrainian crisis. But you also have your own podcast, which is about that connection between... Well, you, you, you explain. Yeah, so initially it started... It came out of my personal challenging experience of becoming a mum... Um, you know, I love food and I love cooking and just the thought of, you know, nourishing myself as I uh, nourish my baby was like the most beautiful idea. But the reality of it was a bit different. And I really struggled with a bit of postpartum depression and food, obviously, you know, not being able to cook or eat was a big part of, you know, not mm-hmm. feeling like myself. And I just thought, well, you know, if someone who like myself, who is professionally connected to food and loves food and writes recipes struggle then you know what about other women who might not necessarily know exactly what to eat and have that um, sort of support network and it just gave me an idea to to reach out to women um, like Olya um, in the food industry who are professionally connected to food and who are mothers as well to talk to them about their experience of motherhood through the prism of food and the more I thought about it, of course, it became, you know, it was initially a play on words, motherhood, mother food, sounds very similar. But the more I thought about it, of course, it's about us as mothers being food to our babies. You know, we literally, you know, they <laughs> eat us yeah. in a way as they grow um, inside of us. And then as we breastfeed, if we are doing that, but also the role of food as our mother, you know, that's the paramount kind of caretaker that we have in our lives and it's been really beautiful in the way it was really healing for me and in the way women open up about it you know it was the episode that I've done with Olya was I have to say is the top listened to episode of all (laughs) on the podcast Um, and you know we're very close so it was very natural to speak about intimate experiences like birth stories and breastfeeding but women who I've not met before in real life and just invited them on the podcast they opened up so beautifully and I've made some really special friends through that so again just a beautiful reminder of how food is such a fantastic language that just brings us together 
I had my second son uh, just two months before the first lockdown and listening to Alisa's podcast throughout the uh, lockdowns and the pandemic has really, you know, saved me. It was the interviews were so, you know, heartwarming and uh, there was so much amazing information. So I cannot recommend mother food to any kind of expectant mothers or, or, or just mothers of any with, with children of any age. It was just like s- such an amazing podcast with fantastic information and uh, very soulful too. Thank you. So, so where do you both cook at the moment? So you've written cookbooks, but do you cook for people? Do you run, you run supper clubs or you've got restaurant or? I don't know. I, I don't have a restaurant. Um, and I used to do a lot of supper clubs. Um, but obviously at the moment, I'm not even cooking at home because I just can't bring myself to cook. Uh, because it's all very traumatic at the moment, so it's hard. Um, yesterday was the first time in three weeks that I cooked. My son asked me for the blintzes, actually. It's his favorite thing that his grandma makes him. And he asked me, and immediately I just said, no, sorry, I just can't cook. And then he started getting all of his little things together, and he opened the book, you know, Summer Kitchens, and he started looking at the recipe. Sorry, just getting really emotional. And I just thought, what am I doing? I need to snap out of it. And I and I helped him, you know, and I made him these um, these pancakes that my mom makes him all the time. And and he's like, you know, you know what? Even though I have this very precise recipe, they don't always come out as good as my mom's, but they did yesterday. And uh, yeah, Alia, where are your family at the moment? They are all in Ukraine. My parents are in the south, and my brothers in Kiev. So, so yeah, and my nephews and nieces are in Western Ukraine, and my whole extended family is dotted all over Ukraine. But yeah, so I made the pancakes yesterday and um, and it was good. It was good for all of us to eat them. Yeah. And they tasted great. And yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, I, I'm so sorry. It's, I can't even imagine what you're going through. And we do really appreciate you doing this and, the, and this initiative that you're doing, you know, you're putting so much effort into raising awareness and and it's working what is ha- what where will the money go so at the moment our main partner charity is unicef and again as a mother to me it was so important to work with someone who is there to support children and of course by supporting children you are supporting their parents and i've been even though it's you know it's quite mildly put difficult to look at those pictures of you know children displaced or there was this oh just unbelievably powerful picture that UNICEF Ukraine posted about it was a picture of a woman who had obviously she survived uh, an air raid and had um cuts like from the glass all over and she had a bandage on her head and she was sitting in a hospital bed breastfeeding a child I mean to me that was just I mean, the most heartbreaking, but at the same time, the most beautiful thing that, you know, motherhood is just more powerful than war. And yeah, so seeing that and, um, you know, just gives us inspiration and purpose to keep going. And sometimes people have been a bit um, not critical, but, you know, just a bit concerned saying, oh, well, what's the point of all this food? You know, you're just posting pictures of food on Instagram. Like, how does that actually help? And, you know, seeing UNICEF's Instagram account, it just puts it in perspective um, and you know exactly where that money is going for. You know, it's they provide so much um, 
support for hospitals, so you know, hospital equipment, sanitary equipment, but also beautiful things like they organize play um, kind of experiences for kids in refugee camps. And, you know, Oli and I both have small children, so we know very well what it's like for a child to have a healthy psychological environment where they can play together. So, you know, they organize toys and invite, um, how would you call them, performers to kind of entertain the kids. And that's, I mean, you know, that's as essential as any other contribution to the war effort. Um, so kind of that's, that's where money, the money goes to. I'm a UNICEF ambassador and and I've seen the work they do on the ground and it is amazing the way that they um, try and let children be children in emergency, in disasters, in war and um, and it's and it's really amazing what you're doing. We don't want to take up too much of your time and we appreciate everything that um, you're doing and we're going to encourage everyone to do the hashtag cook for Ukraine so they can be doing supper clubs, uh, cooking something just to celebrate Ukraine and Ukrainian cuisine and sending and and putting the link to your Just Giving page. I wondered if you might think about doing a Cook for Ukraine cookbook. Yeah, it would be amazing to to get on it at some point in the future. Yeah, I think at the moment we're like so in the throes of, you know, immediate kind of trying to just do things that have done very immediately, like a cookbook obviously takes time, loads of effort. Um, But but we, we have definitely thought of it. Um, and it would be amazing to, in my view, to collect um, recipes from all of the kind of different regions of Ukraine, especially those that have been affected the most, just to keep, you know, even though those cities have been raised, uh, you know, but to let those people know that their culture and their recipes and all of that keeps going, you know, he can, he can, he can raise the cities and destroy buildings, but he can't kill our culture. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on Table Manners. And we wish you all the best and we'll do our best to put it out there too. But we really appreciate you taking the time when this is a really horrendous time for you both. And um, but yeah, sending sending you loads of love and thank you and go and enjoy yeah. your Sunday and being with your you. children. And yeah, go, go and relax, relax a little bit and, in the sunshine. And, and have some honey on that voice. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. I really hope that one day you can invite us over and cook us those latkes. Absolutely. Please, I'm making that you're coming. coming. Absolutely. You're you're welcome anytime. We'd love that. Anything that you can do, whether that is inviting your friends over, because we have the luxury of being able to do that. Um, and having a supper club and hashtagging it and asking everyone to put in a tenner, a fiver, one pound, 50p, anything. And that all goes towards this cause. Um, but to celebrate Ukraine and their cuisine. And we've just heard from Olia and Alyssa and, you know, Olia's whole family are in Ukraine as we speak. She's found the time to speak to us. She's, I mean, I can't even imagine how distraught and, um, well, we heard it. They're doing amazing, amazing work. And UNICEF is an amazing charity. And I know the money goes straight to those children and to those families that need it most. And we'll put up um, throughout the week, we'll be putting up links for the Just Giving page to make it as easy as possible for you. I'll put up my Apple sponge. Send us all your hashtags. Hashtag cook for Ukraine. But at us and send us what you're cooking. And we can't wait to see it. Um, Get involved. It's so easy. And it's through the beauty 
of food and togetherness and us having the luxury of being able to cook for each other at the moment um, and not being in a war zone is just um, something that I will hold on to as I make my way through this whole book. And the recipes are on the Just Giving page as well. The fundraising page is www.justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash cook for Ukraine forward slash. It was um, an absolute honour to have these women on our podcast to talk. Please go and try and do your bit. Um, and we are sending all our love to everyone in Ukraine. And and thank you to Olia and Alyssa for taking the time to speak to us on this. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.